You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network, currently sponsored by our good friends over at Pro Prep. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeu, and I'm delighted to welcome back to the show the brilliant Mike Stavrou. Mike, how are you, sir? Hello, mate. Uh, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas um, to everyone in the chat and uh, looking forward to New Year. I hope everyone's going to be enjoying themselves because it's been a a pretty long year, isn't it? Really, I, th- I think we all thought COVID was going to go away, but one year later, two years later, almost, and we're still in the same position. But yeah, looking forward to celebrating a new year, man. Bringing it in with uh, in style, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely, completely agree. And um, you know, this is the first podcast in a little while. First podcast since Boxing Day. Um, I wasn't actually planning on taking a break, so I do apologise uh, to the listeners because I didn't really communicate it clearly that there weren't going to be any podcast for sort of three, four days. And I had loads of DMs saying, I think there's something wrong with Spotify. There's no new shows. What's going on? Uh, But actually, um, what happened was I took a little bit of a break over Christmas, did the Boxing Day show and just felt absolutely knackered, shattered. Um, And I don't know about you, Mike, but when you're constantly on the go throughout the year, when you stop, you feel really kind of like low at first, don't you? Like tired and... Uh, lethargic and I really did feel like that and I didn't want to be sitting there making content for the sake of it but I guess the silver line in the good side for me personally was that I got to spend a little bit more time with the little ones but I am well and truly ready now to get back to work how was your Christmas mate was it impacted by the COVID situation um you you know what um I had a few family members that that came down with it that weren't unfortunately able to come but most of my family were able to come over on christmas day we made a nice dinner we we had a nice time it was quite chilled um there wasn't like you know with christmas there's always like this anticipation expectation to make it like really special but actually i think we're a bit more appreciative of of just the simple things these days because that luxury was taken away from us last year weren't allowed to have christmas with our families extended families and whatnot so the fact we could have that this year is is nice and um yeah absolutely enjoyed it but i agree with you on the on the sort of content thing because us as content creators were constantly thinking of ideas and stuff like that and it can get to a point where you just get a bit burnt out so a break is always needed and of course chronicles i'm sure is going to hit you with a load of banging content in uh 2022 so I'll check the year there. <laughs> 2022. Yeah. yeah. 2022. <laughs> Fingers crossed that we can keep the standard up. And I just want to say a big thank you as well, because um, in the year 2021, uh, we've surpassed 3.1 million downloads and views, which is incredible. Um, and it's way more than I ever thought that the podcast would get to when I first started it. So um, thank you to all our brilliant contributors like Mike, especially the regular ones, uh, and all you guys, of course, for tuning in. It honestly means the world to me. And uh, we look forward to hopefully a bigger and better year, as Mike says, in 2022. But without further ado, let's get into today's show because it's quite a meaty topic. And I think we're probably going to need the entire hour here, Mike. Um we are going to be ranking Arsenal's top five performers 
in 2021. Now, it's not even that simple to name the five, let alone then rank the five. So we're going to start off by trying to kind of thrash out between us and, and with you guys' input mm. in the live chat as well, who the top five are. And then towards the end of the show, we'll try and rank those guys and we'll give our reasonings for that. So, I mean, I, I don't know how you want to do it, Mike. Shall I kind of roll off my list of five and then you can roll off yours and we can have a bit of a discussion around players that maybe didn't make it, Yeah, why that is, and some of the players that did make the list. So my five was quite easy for me to come up with. The initial five was easy. The ranking has been the really difficult part for me. But even still, I suspect there'll be people that disagree with what I'm going to come out with now. Just to make it clear for those of you listening, because there's a couple of you asking in the chat box, this is based on the calendar year, not the season. Okay, we're, the year is coming to an end. 2021 is coming to an end. So we're sticking with that theme and we're doing it based on the calendar year. So that's the second half of last season and the first half, of course, of this one. So my top five is Bukayo Saka. This is in no particular order. Bukayo Saka, Emile Smith-Rowe, Granite Xhaka, Alexander Lacazette, and Martin Erdegaard. That is my five. Now, Mike, what's your five? And are there any in mind that you wouldn't have in there? Yeah, so I'm not going to have Xhaka, um, which I'm sure we're going we're gonna to talk about. Um, the others were quite difficult because there's a few honourable mentions that um, were so close to making it, but were signings of the summer so it's unfair to to add them in but if you're looking at like impacts you're looking at you know a player who's made the huge difference there, there'll be players that i think should be in there just based on a small part of this of, of this season but i think it's still relevant but i would go with i'm gonna agree with uh with actually three of yours i'm gonna go uh saka um odegaard smith rowe Gabriel, and I'm going to throw in there because I think, as, as I was saying, I'm going to upgrade him from an honorable mention. I'm going to go for Aaron Ramsdale because I feel like he's made such a huge impact that it would be hard to sort of leave him out if you're talking about player ratings. I know he's not been here the, the whole time and you're missing about like four or five months of action, but I just think in that space of time, he's, he's made a difference. So I'm going to go with him. Yeah, and, and let's be clear, just because somebody joined midway through this period that we're reviewing, it doesn't mean that they can't be in there. If, as as Mike says, you've had such a good, um, you know, impact and positive effect on the team, then you need to be in there uh, yeah. for sure. Already, I'm getting some heat in the chat that I haven't put Gabriel in mind. Now, I haven't put Gabriel in mind because although I think he's been unreal this season, I don't think he was good at the back end of last season at the back end of, of last season, so at the beginning of the year. I think we saw Gabriel start his Arsenal career brilliantly and then drop off a little bit. And I know there were injuries within that. And I think there was a COVID case as well that disrupted his kind of, you know, his momentum. But I think with Gabriel, he falls into that category of sensational this season, but not so good at the back end of last. Therefore, I couldn't put him above any of the others that I've selected. Where do you stand, Mike? On, I know you've put Gabriel in there. Yeah. Do you think I'm being harsh by saying that? No, the, no. The first half of the year wasn't great. No, I can I can see where you're coming from. Um, and after COVID and injuries, I think he didn't really look the same player. But I think what I'm basing mine on is that I started to see the real Gabriel come back really because I think, as you said, he had a great start. 
uh, he, he he looked, you know, he was looking to be shaping up as a world beater, but then he had a couple of things like not go his his way in terms of injuries and COVID, like, like we said. So, but I think towards the end of the season, especially in the Premier League, I know he didn't play really in the run to the Europa League uh, in the sort of latter stages, did he? I think he was he was benched for a lot of it. Maybe Arteta didn't quite think he was quite at his best. But in the Premier League, I think we were seeing signs in the last like five, six, seven games that, you know, this this is the guy and he's coming back. So I think just based on that and as well as the new campaign, he he makes it into it for me. But I've I've got to say, like, the reason it's been difficult is because it's been we've been so Jekyll and Hyde Arsenal and as a team that there's been little consistency. So this season, obviously, like has been good to a point, but the the first three games were awful. We've had bad defeats as well since then. Obviously, Liverpool um, and Everton as well. So if you're looking at it over the course of a calendar year, the team is so inconsistent that you're not really going to get loads of consistent performers. So that's why for me, it's been so hard to do it. So what I'm basing it on is the players that I've seen enough from in periods over the year to justify to me that that they've been good enough and been the standout players. So, so Gabriel, I think I've I've I'd seen enough from him over a period of time, even though he has been slightly inconsistent after coming back from injury. But I don't really put that down to performance level. I put that down to external factors. So I'm going to give him a bit a bit of a pass on that. Cool. So I, I'm not against putting Gabriel in there, just for the record. You know, he's he's one that we're going to debate. And, and we're going to, when we thrash out our final five between us, we'll, we'll come back to that. Yeah. A couple of other names being mentioned in the chat box that I just want to touch on. Kieran Tierney. Now, a consistent performer for the most part, although I thought up until about a month ago, he wasn't playing very well this season. I think his level dropped. And I think that's partly why there was so, so much clamour around Nuno Tavares, because he'd come in and he'd given us the, he gave us the things that Kirantini was giving us, but maybe hadn't been uh, in, in recent times. So Kirantini, does he get even a mention for you? Because for me, he's just outside of it. I, I can't put him in based on the fact that he missed a lot of the second half of last season yeah. through injury and then wasn't at his best up until recently. Yeah, I think he was a massive, massive miss. And actually, that was probably part of our of our undoing at at a point, Harry. I think last season, I think his absence really, really pushed us, especially at the, you know, towards the, the sort of new year stage um of of uh, the beginning of this year, because we had to like get creative and find problems to a position that we didn't have salute solutions to a problem that we couldn't really like work out what to do. We tried Cedric there. Um, I think Kalasinac played a few games, but but then he obviously went out on loan um, and we were stuck. So I think that's obviously not Tierney's fault, but the fact he missed that really vital period, I think held us back. And this season, the fact that he was sort of replaced by the guy who we all think was sort of coming in to be a backup and one for the future a guy who's not really played much senior football, the fact that he was sort of ousting him in the team really was, you know, telling you a lot about Tierney's form at the time, about what, what Arteta thought about Tierney at the time, even though he, he was injured and and came back. The fact he was on the bench for quite a few games while Tavares was playing sort of shows you he was not quite at his highest level. But, you know, he he's coming back. But I don't think we can put him in the top five for the year, no. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. So we're gonna we're gonna scrap the Tierney chat. That that one's been pushed yeah. to the side uh, for sure. A couple of other names, Tommy Asu's getting mentioned in the chat box. Again, player who's had a great impact. I would argue it's not been as big an impact as the impact of Ramsdale, for example. So I, I don't know if you feel yeah. the same, Mike, but yeah. he's an honourable mention for me, Takeira Tomiyasu. He's been wonderful since he's come in, brought something really different to the right-back position and, and has been solid for the most part. But again, I think Arsenal's improvement as a team is obviously partly down to Tomiyasu, but it's it's not, you know, his part in that has not been so big that I can put him in the top five for the calendar year. Would you Would you agree or disagree? Yeah, so I like I read Lee Dixon talking about Tommy Asu the other day, um, and he was praising him. And you know, coming from a guy like that, Lee Dixon, what the stature of, of the man and the sort of contribution he made to Arsenal, the fact that he's, you know, picked out Tommy Asu as a, a sort of standout player, um, tells you a lot. Um, I think he's really brought it, brought the role into his own, as you say, and particularly as a guy who a lot of people thought was was coming in um to to like sort of play almost as a, a hybrid role um center back right back because for Bologna I think the beginning of last season he started as as a center back and then he converted to a right back role later on in the season so people weren't really sure like they were saying all right well he's playing right back but how often has he played there over his career he's, he's mainly been a center back so how will how will he adapt but what we've done with him and we've created that sort of role for him, as as you say, the sort of lopsided system and the fact that he is such a great defender. But what I've been impressed with is his like, athleticism, his ability to go forward, um, his, his engine, his, his final ball that I've been impressed with. So all the things that I thought he, he would do well at defending and sort of one-on-ones, I was told about that. But what I've been surprised is the other side of his game, because obviously, even though it is a bit of a lopsided system and he does play a lot deeper than Tierney. There will be times when when the ball's on the other flank and he does need to get forward. And for me, I've been impressed with his link up with with Saka. And I think he just offers us such, you know, solidity in that position, which we've not had for a long, long time. Because even though I, you know, was a big fan of of Bellerin in his heyday, I think the one thing you could say about Bellerin is that he was never really convincing going backwards. Whereas Bakary Sanya, the, the guy who he replaced, was first and foremost solid uh, in in defence and was decent going forward. So I'm glad we've sort of gone back to that defensive first and then look at attacking later because I think it suits us at the moment. But then are we running the risk here? And this is not a slight on Tommy Asu because I've talked about him time and time again about how impressed I've been with not just him, but the impact he's had on the team overall. I really like the player. I always talk, as you said, about how I think he fits the system perfectly. And I think that's key in him kind of, you know, being a real positive for this Arsenal side. But are we in danger of looking at what we had prior to Tommy Asu, mm. analysing how bad that was or how below par that was, especially towards the end, and then overvaluing what Tommy Asu has brought to the table because of what he replaced was so bad. Is that something that yeah. we have to be mindful and wary of when analysing his performance? Well, yeah, I mean, you have to say he's been a huge upgrade, a massive, massive upgrade. And I think absolutely you're right. I think you you would have to look at it and say, all right, well, this is what the defenders should have been doing in the past. And, and they weren't for, for whatever reason, the, the, the coaching, whether it's just purely based on the ability of the player. But I think 
when you realise how good he is, Harry, is when you see Cedric play there. Like for, for me against Sunderland, Cedric played well um, in, in the second half. But in the in the first half, I thought he was really ropey. I thought, you know, he looked not of the stature of, of Tommy Asu in any way. And like, I, I know Arteta does like Cedric going forward, but I don't think he's brilliant really going forward i think he's 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 okay he does a job but that for me see watching cedric play and being reminded of that really told me like how how good tommy asu is and really i think it's hard to say that he, he we're only like overrating him because of the players that we have because a lot of the stuff that tommy asu does like sort of flies under the radar like his positional play um the fact that he you know, intercepts so much. It's not particularly stuff, especially position-wise, that you'd um, immediately say, oh, that looks amazing. And and I think the reason is because the fact his position is so good, he gets into into places on the pitch where he intercepts the ball so easily. He's not flying in to make tackles all the time, you know. So that makes him almost look like not as impressive as he, as he could be. Because I, I remember there's a, there's a famous quote by... Uh, by uh, Maldini, I think, and he says, you know, if a defender is forced to make a challenge, that means he's he's made a mistake. So, meaning you should always be in the right place on the pitch to to intercept the board or sweep up or whatever. So, I think that's one of the reasons why I think he's he's done so well, but he flies under the radar still. Yeah, no, good points, good points indeed. Um, lots of you in the chat saying that this is a really difficult five to pick, and that's why oh, is, yeah. um, that's why you know we wanted to do this because it is a really, really interesting conversation discussion. And the fact that we are in this place where we're struggling to pick the five, Mike, and me and you've got two different fives, is because Arsenal have progressed in 2021. Arsenal have been better. Um, you know, the points tally. I think it off the top of my head. I think I read this earlier on today. I think we've accumulated 24 points more in 2021 than we did in 2020 in the Premier League, which is quite significant. You know, that yeah. that can be the difference between you finishing in the top four and not finishing in the top four. Now, we all know that the form in the second half of last season was was very good by our standard and that the reason we failed to hit our targets and objectives was because we started the season so badly. And unfortunately we had too much to do, but you've got to be encouraged by what we've seen midway through this season. I know there've been ups and there have been downs and there have been dips and moments where we've kind of stood back and questioned whether we're actually moving in the right way. But mm. when you look at the bigger picture, we certainly are. Um, so your the three that we're in agreement on are Smith Rowe, Saka and Odegaard. I, yeah. Uh, no, sorry. Yeah, is it Odegaard? Yeah, yeah, as well? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we're in agreement on those guys. Um, just briefly on each of them, talk to us a little bit about why you had to put those guys in, and uh, and then yeah. we'll come to uh, to decide in the final two. Yeah. So Smith Rowe, purely because I think we were in such a bad spot before he came into the team we're on a massive losing run, um, and then this guy comes along. A lot of us have heard about him, but he's been out on loan at, at Huddersfield. Uh, he's been out on loan at RB Leipzig and no one's really seen him play loads, to, to, to be honest. So those two sort of senior years of his, we've, we've, we've not seen a lot. And in, in the case of Huddersfield, obviously it's championship level. So I don't think anyone was expecting him to burst onto the scene like he did. But when he came on in that, in that Boxing Day game against Chelsea, started that game, it was like something clicked into gear and it was like this this guy is next level like the the way that he was sort of moving around the pitch 
um his sort of dribbling ability on the ball his endeavor his his attitude um he didn't have the the eye for goal at that stage but you could tell everything else was sort of lining up and we saw you know a star born essentially on on that day i think uh some people might have seen it before but for me that was when I, he sort of announced himself and then he along with saka and uh, gabriel martinez really kick-started our, our revival and that's what really took us out of the out of the depths of that season because let, let's be honest like a, f- a few months before a month before weeks before even that game like there was talk of relegation harry like let's not forget like what well, I, um, I wasn't personally going there i didn't personally believe that we would get that far but there was talk around it you know in the media are arsenal going to get relegated what is their succession plan like how does how does this happen is arteta going to get sacked and that was a really really low point because we've had low points in the past like the the five one defeats the back to back five one defeats to Bayern Munich but we were in the Champions League at that stage this is another level of bad for Arsenal considering what we've the the victory and the success we've tasted in, in the recent history so the fact that these young guys Smith Rowe spearhead in it essentially was sort of revived the team brought us back to life and then we we sort of went on that good run and I know there was inconsistency inconsistency after that but Smith Rowe was the one for me that said you know it's not just Saka that's gonna that's gonna run away with it and be you know the star academy graduate I'm here as well like pay attention to me and he he really did it and that was last season but this season he's not been satisfied with just that he's taken it to a whole nother level because he's adding goals to his game um and this is this is the one thing we said at the beginning of the season as well we we saw I think he he started this scoring run um for the England under 21s um, and it was like, all right, this guy's, you know, he's he's stepping it up a gear now. And not only has he has he been notching the goals, but he's been doing it from the bench. And the fact that he's been benched and still coming on and scoring, I think three games in a row, um, all with like lessening minutes. So I think I, I did a tweet about it the other day. One was like twenty four minutes he came on and and scored. The other one was twelve minutes uh, to go. He came on and scored. And I think the the other day it was eight minutes. So. The guy is his attitude is so good that he's happy to to come off from the bench and contribute, and he's not moaning. I think other players you might see um, come off, you know, be left on the bench and sulk about it. But Smith Rowe is not about that. He just wants to help the team. He's got the attitude. He's got the ability. He's got the desire, and he's destined for the top. So, I think you probably know who my number one's going to be after all that. <laughs> Yeah, we'll 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 we'll, uh, we'll come on to confirm that then, shall we say, a little bit later yeah. on. But yeah, I completely agree with you on Smith Rowe. The the goals thing has been the massive improvement that we were looking for this season. You know, last season, as you say, all the build up play was there, and you know he only came into the side, didn't he, just around Christmas, mm-hmm. and then took on those performances, produced really really good performances. But the one thing you'd say was missing that maybe other teams in there attacking midfield roles have is those goals and he's added that as you can see on the screen those of you watching on YouTube uh, he's managed nine goals already this season um, that's more than Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and and the other player that we both agree on or one of the other players that we both agree on Bukayo Saka he too has added more goals to his game not as many as Smith Rowe at this stage but again with Bukayo Saka you, you know you were looking at a player who was excellent in the build-up, but was maybe just missing that cutting edge in the final third. And we're starting to see more of that now. The third player that we agree on, Martin Odegaard, I think for the most part, his loan spell was a success. 
Um, I think there was a little bit of a dip after an injury, wasn't there, where we were kind of sitting there, I'm in mean, and ahhing about him. But I think ultimately the club made the right decision to bring him back and on a permanent basis. We saw enough potential in the second half of last season to determine that he was worth the investment. The investment's been made and I think he's really thriving now. And he's even being talked about, Mike, as a potential next Arsenal captain. Um, Odegaard has had a lot of stick, though, hasn't he? It's not yeah. been as clear-cut in some people's eyes as it might have been for Saka and Smith-Rowe. So what have you seen from Odegaard that makes you believe and feel confident that he is the man to continue leading us in that area of the pitch and and, and he is going to go on and be a, a, an even better player in years to come? Yeah, I think, as, as you say, there, there was a bit of, uh, you know, people questioning it. And I think maybe because people, when he first came in, Harry, in, in a January transfer window on loan, people were sort of like, oh, you know, he's only going to be here a few months. He might he might help us a little bit. And, and I think they were quite shocked when, when, they, when they saw the quality that he had. But the thing is, because he's not been complain, playing consistent first-team football for his career, he's, he's, he's sat on the bench a lot. He's gone to a lot of clubs on loan. He didn't have that sort of consistency and, and, and sharpness across games to like to last the whole 90 minutes. So I think what you would see in is him like dipping in and out of games and putting in a really good performance and showing his quality. I remember one that stood out for me last season was West Ham when he single-handedly dragged us back in, into the game and we drew that one, I think. And you, you were seeing it in sparks, but never quite. So that's why I think people were a bit unsure in the summer because there was this whole thing, wasn't there? There was debate, oh, do we go back to Odegaard or do we go get James Madison? And I think based on this season showing we we made the right decision but as you say there was a period in this season as well when we were a bit unsure he, he got dropped from the team uh Lacazette was taking up the number 10 role which we both said was a bit damning of of him really the fact that a striker is is, is filling your position was a little bit like all right he really needs to step it up but like Smith Rowe he's, he's, he's not taking that to heart he's taken that on board because he's got the, the attitude for it. He's, he's obviously a leader. And Arteta said that he's he's a captain Norway. Like th this guy has got the mentality to be able to go through them bad periods that other players in the squad, which we, we might mention later on, have not got the ability to do. They can't drop out of the team and then show enough in training to then earn their place back. But Odegaard has done that. Um, at the beginning of the season, I thought he was dropping a bit too deep. I thought he was taking too many touches on the ball. But I think what he's really done is simplified his play. And he's got into areas where he can be dangerous. Um, like some of the assists that, that he's he's done recently for Kieran Tierney um, against in, in, in the last game. God, I forget who, who was against. Who do we beat? Norwich. Norwich, yeah. Norwich. And against Sunderland as well uh, for, for, for Pepe's goal. Um, th those assists because he's in that area of the pitch where he's able to thread those balls through and that's from him playing a bit higher up and he's added goals to his game as well so I think he's definitely definitely in, in my top five that one wasn't really difficult for me yeah no good stuff and and yeah he's in the top five for me as well so th those are the three that we agree on but there are some that we don't agree on and um, you've put Gabriel and Ramsdale in I've mm. put Lacazette and Xhaka in now let me just give you my reasons why I've put Lacazette and Jacqueline because you've touched on Gabriel and you've talked about Ramsdale as well as having had such an impact that you couldn't ignore him. Um, so let me just share kind of my reasons why I've gone with Lacker and, and Shaka. First of all, I just want to dismiss the Aubameyang talk in the chat because there's a couple of comments up questioning why we haven't put Aubameyang in there. 
I think Aubameyang was way below the standard we know he can be at last season. Um, you know, I think he missed some really, really key chances in the Europa League, especially that mm. proved really costly. Um, you know, so that was that was something that was part of my thinking. Add to that all the disciplinary issues, you know, the missing of the North London derby in the second half of last season, the, um, you know, the uh, the decision or, or the, the, the reluctance to follow the lockdown rules and all of that, all of that stuff has, has played into it with Aubameyang. And, and I don't think he's been great this season either. I think he showed a bit more effort and a bit more work rate at the start of this campaign or, or just after he returned from having COVID and you're sitting there thinking, well, he does look interested at the very least, but then all of this crap has come up again and it's just impossible to ignore. Um, Lacazette for me, look, I, I've never thought that Lacazette is a particularly prolific goal scorer, but he brings so much to the team. And we talked a lot a little bit earlier on about the revival of this side in the second half of last season. And a massive part of that for me, was when Laka was playing through the middle. And the link-up play between him and Smith-Rowe and Saka and Odegaard I thought was really, really key. And I think Lacazette creates an environment which allows the Sackers and the Smith-Rowe's to thrive. Now, I'm not saying they can't thrive without him, but I think he's a massive, massive help. Add to that, he's a wonderful leader. He's a wonderful character. He's a wonderful person, clearly, and he's really loved in the dressing room. I just think his impact in 2021, and by the way, he finished as Arsenal's top scorer last season, ahead of Aubameyang and ahead of Nicolas Pepe, who we'll touch on just briefly in a minute. I think that Lacazette has to be in there. I really, really do. If you're looking at this calendar year in isolation, I think it's impossible to dismiss his impact and to dismiss all the positive things that he's brought to the table. Now, I'm not going to go crazy if we end up leaving him out of our top five. But for me, he warranted being in there. And moving on to Granit Xhaka, I just think he's been one of the few stable figures in this Arsenal team in the last year. And, you know, people don't like him. People get on to me every time. Every time Granit Xhaka makes a mistake, like getting sent off or that challenge he made at Norwich where he was probably fortunate not to get sent off, you would not believe how many people jump on Twitter and start on me. Uh, about Granit Xhaka. There's that idiot. He's at it again, etc., etc. But I just think that Granit Xhaka gives you a consistent level of performance in the middle of the park. And are there a few brain fart moments? Yeah, there are. But Thomas Partey, I can promise you, in the last year has produced more mistakes and, and I think under par performances than Granit Xhaka has. But he'll never get that heat because he was a £45 million signing that everybody desperately wanted. And nobody ever wants to say they were wrong. I'm not saying that we were wrong to sign Thomas Partey, but nobody wants to divert the attention onto Partey when he's underperforming. Xhaka was excellent. He filled in at left back at times. OK, he struggled in certain areas there, but that's not his position. Completely unselfish, does an unselfish job for the team. For me, one of the few natural leaders. And I think since he's come back this time around, and you've got to give him credit for returning from that injury so quickly and looking so sharp and up to speed already. You know, that's a testament to how hard he works. I think he's improved the team again. And I think that he is the first name on the team sheet when fit. So if you trust in Mikel Arteta and you believe in this process, it doesn't mean that you think Xhaka's the best midfielder in the world. It just means that you recognise that he gives us something right now that nobody else gives us, which is a tactical stability 
in the middle of the park. So for me, he's got to go in there. Let's say, let, to do this fairly, I'll take out one of mine and you take out one of yours. So I will yeah. kick one of my boys out and you can kick right. one of yours out. So you've got to kick out either Gabriel or Ramsdale. Who's it going to be and why? Well, I'm just going to disagree with you on Xhaka a little bit because on, I think do it. do it. I think I think you're giving him a lot of credit, and some of that credit is due because I think that he is um, a consistent performer. But I think it's consistent to to a point. Um, I think I don't want to go too much into the mistakes because every player makes mistakes. But I think he's consistently a six and a half out of ten. But I can't really give him any more than that. I think he's a he's a good midfielder. He's got obviously a lot of a lot of assets to his game that that are good, but he's also got a lot of deficiencies. I think he's where he sort of leaves us a bit short is is pressing and his sort of lack of pace. And you're never going to get that out of Shaka. And maybe people will say it's it's hard to sort of accuse him of that. But I just think if we want to move forward as as a team, we need someone a bit more mobile in there next to Thomas Party and. And the, the reason why I say that is I, I know that we weren't particularly great when, when he was out of the team, but I did see elements of Sambi Lakonga's game where I thought, okay, all right, this guy for me is the is the successor to Xhaka because he he offers just a bit more. All right, uh, let me let me ask you this a bit let more me, mobility. Sorry to pause you, but let me ask yeah, you this. All right. Would you not agree that Thomas Partey has looked unfit at various points last season? when we know he was riddled with injuries and even still this season. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So then how can we bang on about Xhaka's mobility when Partey, who was brought in to be mobile and to be mm. that guy, doesn't even do it because he but doesn't. That's, he's not, but that's he external cut. factors though, isn't it, Harry? That's external factors, injuries and fitness and all of that it's, stuff. It's part of being a good player, not looking after yourself. Yeah, but I mean... It's it's hard, isn't it? Like how do, how do you stop someone getting an injury? I think that's more down to the medical team than than the player himself. Um, like I I don't know. It's 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 weird, isn't it? Because Thomas Partey at um at Atletico Madrid was one of the most like combative, like hard working, constantly fit players, and then all of a sudden he comes to Arsenal and he's getting an injury every time he plays. So. Whose fault is it, really? Like, is, is it a player who never got injured before he came to Arsenal? Or is it is it just unlucky? I don't know. Like, it's, it's, it's hard for us to say. But, look, I'm not I'm not hating on Xhaka at all. I just think he's he's limited. And, of course, like, I think he's he's been a relatively consistent performer. But I wouldn't say he's been a standout performer. I think he's been good. I think he his, his, his leadership is, is what we need at the moment because we've got a lot of young players in that team. But I think if we want to move on to the next sort of, uh, I don't want to say the, I'm going to say project, man. I hate saying project. But if we want to move on to the next stage of the project, he's one of the upgrades we needed. And I I was convinced that, that he was gone in the summer. I thought, you know, he's going to Roma. It didn't happen. We we didn't get an upgrade in, in that position. And I, I don't know how long he's going to stay for. But I would just focus on other areas of the team where I think they make more of an impact than than Xhaka, even though that might sound a bit harsh. I respectfully disagree because I think he gives us he gives us a lot. And I don't think that the left back gets forward as effectively without him in the team. I think that him coming back into the team has given Gabriel Martinelli more freedom. If you remember back to last season, Mikel Arteta specifically said he couldn't play Tierney and Martinelli 
on the left-hand side together because of the tactical side of the game, because it left us vulnerable. He couldn't bomb Tierney on the way he wants to and then have Martinelli a, essentially a left forward rather than a left winger playing in front of him. Mm. And Granit Xhaka has given him that ability to do that now by being aware of, of what spaces are being left behind and making sure he shuffles over and covers them. I think Thomas Partey has been better in recent weeks since Granit Xhaka has come back into the team. And I think it's really easy to look at a player and say, well, he doesn't do this or he doesn't do that. But actually look at what he also facilitates others to do. Yeah. And I think that's a big point with Xhaka. Would, Go on. would you would you not say, though, Harry, that Xhaka has improved and looked better as the defence, as a defence, as a whole unit has got better? Because that well, now now Xhaka's not exposed as, as much as, as he was. It it does essentially make his role a bit easier. It doesn't have to cover as much distance. Um, it's a more compact unit. Um, so I think that's definitely a reason why he has looked better than before. Because when he has had to make these like lunging tackles, it's been when he's running back, which is which is not his game. So I think that's a part of it. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I've said it many times. I think one of Arsenal's big problems in years prior to Mikel Arteta's arrival was that whoever played defensive midfield for Arsenal was exposed. Mikel Arteta himself had that problem. You know, not a particularly quick player across the grass, found himself at times exposed where everybody else had bombed on and and he was in a position where he had to keep turning and running back towards his own goal, which no defensive midfielder wants to do. But the flip side of that is that Granit Xhaka's role and, and him being allowed to play the role that suits him better has also contributed to that greater defensive stability. So I think you can look at this both ways. I just think for me, and I, and I know that you're not doing this, Mike, but I just feel like there is a reluctance within the Arsenal fan base to give Granit Xhaka any credit for anything because yeah. of that incident, right? Yeah, And we all know the incident I'm talking about. And that drives me absolutely crazy. He's one of the first names on the team sheet. Yes, in the long term, we need to move on from him. But what I would say, when you're looking at 2021, which is what we're doing today, you can't hand on heart. I don't think anyone can hand on heart, sit there and say that Thomas Partey, who was supposed to be the saviour of this midfield, supposedly, has been at a much higher level consistently than Granit Xhaka. He hasn't for me. In no. fact, I would argue he's been at a lower level. So the fact that the team's still improved despite that, tells me that Xhaka's is another factor that tells me that Granit Xhaka's role is so, so important. So for me, you know, Stephen Grant says, oh my God, Seeing sorry, people Gary. accusing me of hate and Xhaka now. Uh, that, 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 Matt's joking. That Matt's, Matt's having a laugh. But Stephen Grant says, oh my God, sorry, Harry, but if Xhaka is in your top five performers, I have to unsubscribe on general principle. Mate, you uh. are... Listen, I don't want to lose subscribers, obviously. Um, but if that's how strongly you feel about it, then there's not really much I can do because I'm not <laughs> going to change my opinion or base my opinion on the general opinion. Now, yeah. if somebody can... And listen, we're going to have to move on from this. But if somebody can put together... Like Mike's put together a really good case as to why maybe Granit Xhaka doesn't deserve to be in there. And I appreciate that. It's much more difficult to do what Mike's just done than it is to just say he's shit. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of people do that and it drives me absolutely crazy. He has been, um, you know, for me in that list. Listen, I, I'm i not going to concede Xhaka. So I'm going to take out Laka. 
um, of of my five. Okay. Um, so, which one was you dropping again? <sighs> well, it's it's going to have to be Ramsdale, isn't it? And it's it's unfortunate because he's made such a big. But if we're looking at it fairly, I guess if we're talking about calendar year, you can't include a player who's not been there for half of it. So it's going to have to yeah. be Ramsdale. Sorry, mate. All right, so we're going to take Ramsdale out and we're going to take Lacquer out and it's going to be Gabriel and Xhaka. So our five is Emil Smith-Rowe, Bukayo Saka, Martin Odegaard, Gabriel and Granit Xhaka. Now that is, we've That's both had to, five. it's a good five, but we've That's both had five. to concede one player each here. Yeah. So none of us are completely satisfied with it. Let's, be, <laughs> let's, nah. let's put it that way. But now we've got to rank them. But before oh. we do that, I'm going to bring you a quick message from our sponsor. So while I am doing that, those of you in the live chat box on YouTube, drop us the ranking of those five players in order. Just a quick reminder. It's Emil Smith-Rowe, Bukayo Saka, Martin Odegaard, Gabriel and Granite Xhaka. Rank those players from one to five, one being the highest performer in 2021 and five being the lowest of those chosen players will come together and put our ranking in place and then uh, we'll take some of yours as well but just while you're doing that uh just a quick message from our sponsors over at pro prep it's the perfect study tool for university students undertaking science technology engineering or maths related modules and it can half your study time. ProPrep provides bite-sized videos relevant to the module or course, which can be accessed from any device at any time. And it's already helped over half a million students to pass their exams. They provide customized STEM study tools that match your syllabus. Long lectures are condensed into short and clear video tutorials. And after the videos, you can go through what you've just learned with interactive exercises and practice questions. So you'll be ready for your exam. You can even submit questions to the ProPrep professors and receive a video answer back within 24 hours. ProPrep have created a special offer just for listeners of the Chronicles of Aguna. All you need to do is go to their website, proprep.uk slash info slash football. You can find more information there and sign up to a free 30-day trial. You don't have to input any credit card information. That's ProPrep, P-R-O-P-R-E-P dot uk slash info slash football that's pro prep the ultimate study tool and we thank them for overseeing uh, or sponsoring i should say and supporting the chronicles of aguna throughout the month of december right i can see all your orders uh coming in um master yoda says uh harry i had no idea no clue you were at uni you must be about 2021 master yoda i wish i was 20 or 21 and i can assure you i did not attend a single day of university um i was a 17 year old school dropout so there you go how much how much has harry paid you to write that comment <laughs> yeah, <tell me. laughs> yeah it's just all lies all lies uh also just before we move on uh as well i just want to draw your attention uh to some fantastic products uh coming out from uh scorf x uh which is a, a really cool concept where uh Guys over there, they they design concept football shirts, um, branded football shirts. Uh, obviously, they're not official products of the clubs, uh, but they are making sort of concept shirts. And I was very kindly sent uh, an Arsenal Dior jersey, uh, which I'm going to show you guys now. On uh, I'm just going to enlarge my picture. And if you are listening via the audio, come over to the YouTube channel, check it out. Or better still, just head over uh, to the website, which is www.com 
Scorph, S-C-O-R-P-H-X shop.com. Or you can follow them on Instagram at Scorph.x. So uh, you'll see the uh, thing rolling across the bottom of the screen. Uh, so here is the one that I've very kindly been sent. It's a fantastic shirt. I actually quite like it. Um, and I wouldn't mind this being an Arsenal kit. Mike, what do you make of it, mate? Would you like it? Do you like the design, the, the background stuff? Yeah, I do. I really like the the sort of reddish, orangey color along with it, along with the black. I think it looks it looks sharp. I definitely, I'd I'd wear that. You know me, I, I like my sort of retro looking stuff. So, yeah, that's one for me. Pretty cool, isn't it? Pretty cool. Yeah. For more of these, and there are other clubs available because I know we've got people that listen. Um, that support other clubs as well, surprisingly. Don't know why you'd want to listen to me if you support anyone else, but uh, check check them out. You can see the details rolling across the bottom of the screen. Uh, do get involved, and they're always good to support local and small businesses. And uh, this, these are brilliant, and uh, I really liked it. So thank you for sending me one, and hopefully some of you guys will pick up on them as well. Uh, we've also got to uh, highlight Mike's uh, baby Yoda behind it. Oh, uh, yeah. Now, Mike asked me before the show, do you like my new background? And I said, what's that? And he said, it's from Star Wars. I didn't know that was a Baby Yoda. But, yeah. Yeah, Baby Yoda uh, from the Disney Plus show Mandalorian, which uh, Harry absolutely nothing about because he's not a Star Wars fan. Uh, and he pointed out that I was a nerd. So, yeah, we had a very nice <laughs> chat before the show. Very complimentary. Merry Christmas, Harry. It's you as well. I wouldn't say I'm not a Star Wars fan. I'm one of those guys that when Star Wars comes out, I do watch it. Like I and and the reason I watch it is because when I was a little kid, my uncle used to make me watch it a lot. He's a massive Star Wars fan, and so it's one of those things where like I want to continue it because I've seen all the others. But yeah, yeah I'm not one of these guys that like you know watches spin-off shows and. Well, you you're probably alive when the original trilogy came out in it, 1982 <laughs> or something. <laughs> no i was not <laughs> nice one but no i was not <laughs> i was i just not. i just had to hit back because that comment saying they thought you were 2021 that's all mate that's all yeah i'm definitely not 2021 <laughs> right let's uh let's take some of your orders uh in when i say orders you're not ordering takeaways from me as in who how you've ranked uh these five players so just a quick reminder it's smith rowe saka odegaard gabriel and Xhaka are the five uh let's take a few of these now so uh, Amandeep has gone with Smith Rowe at one. He's put Tommy Asu in there at two. Amandeep, we wow. said only the players that we put in there. Uh, so we'll scrap that one. <laughs> uh, right, let's take this one. Uh, Shaquille has gone Saka at number one. Odegaard at two. Oh, no, wait. Yeah, Saka at one. Odegaard at two. Smith Rowe at three. Gabriel at four. And Xhaka at five. Ray Locks has gone Saka at one, Smithrow at two, Odegaard at three, Gabriel at four, and Xhaka at five. You know, it's a trend, Harry. Xhaka at the back in yeah, almost all of these. Agenda, agenda. <laughs> uh, Dave Atkinson's gone Smithrow at one, Saka at two, Odegaard at three, Xhaka at four, Gabriel at five. Um, keep them coming and we'll pick out a few more as well. Uh, Mike, let's have your ranking then of those yeah. five players. Um, so I think we can agree that Smith Rowe first, and I'm gonna go Saka second. I will go Odegaard third. Uh, controversially, I'm gonna go Xhaka fourth. You even didn't even want him in a minute ago. Everything I've just said, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know, but just thinking about, about what I was saying about Gabriel, 
and the fact that <laughs> I'm gonna go back on what I said because I just think that if if like Gabriel oh, didn't miss I made a, a compelling lot. case, admit it. You just did admit. make a compelling case, but I'm I'm gonna base it on the fact that Gabriel was off form for a bit, and you know, Xhaka has not been off form, even though I think he's a six of six and a half out of ten. He's not been off form. I don't think you can say that about him. He's quite consistent. So based on consistency, I'm going to go Xhaka fourth and uh, Gabriel fifth. But Gabriel has been a level above Xhaka if we're comparing it on, on if we're talking about performance level this season, but not for the whole of the calendar year. So yeah, um, regrettably, I'm going to go Xhaka fourth, Gabriel fifth. Okay. I'm going to go with Smith Rowe first um, as well. Now, I appreciate what Bakayo Saka does and I appreciate that he's had to at times play in different positions as well, which isn't ideal and probably has a bit of an impact on his, uh, you know, goal and assist outputs. Um, but uh, yeah, Smith Rowe first, Saka second for me, Odegaard in third. Um, I think that's fair. Mm. I will go Xhaka fourth, Gabriel fifth as well. Um so we, we've think, agreed somehow. We've agreed, yeah. We've agreed. Wow. I, I just, I, I just think Shaka had to be in there. Um, and, and as you say, the thing that edges it with me for Gabriel is that when he's been in form, it's been at a higher level. Although it's not been there the whole time, I think we've seen enough to suggest in this year that he can go on and be a really important player for Arsenal for many, many years to come. I still feel like Shaka, for all the praise I've given him, is not a long-term solution and isn't going to probably be at the club. In a couple of yeah. years' time, someone's so, just um, picked up on what I said. Um, why, regrettably, why are we regretting rating our own players? This fan base. There we go, guys. I sum up the the uh, agenda, anti Arsenal player agenda fan base. You heard it here first. <laughs> the chairman of the anti. Yeah, the chairman. Fan. Yeah, I've got a promotion. <laughs> <laughs> Matt G says that uh, Harry used the Jedi mind trick to change Mike's mind. It's all in the force, guys. All in the force. <laughs> I'm surprised you got uh, that reference, Harry. Yeah, of course, man. Of course. Uh, as I said, I've seen them all. I'm just not oh, one right. of those. Like, I don't collect like the toys or anything. Oh, oh it was a right. present. I didn't ask for it, by the way. Who was it from? Uh, it was from my auntie because she doesn't really know what to get me. She's got me like links for the past five years. And I was like, I've got about five cupboards full of links deodorant. <laughs> so please don't get me any more. So she got me that. <laughs> Oh, that, I, don't know what, I don't know what's better or worse, to be honest. That's decent. The the links is it the box sets? Because I always get yeah. loads of those Adidas ones at Christmas. It's like, come on, man! <laughs> I always get Adidas. I know, Adidas sets. made that. Yeah, man. It, it's a it's a deodorant. It's a shower gel, and something else. I always get the Adidas ones. I always get loads of pairs of socks and loads of tins <laughs> of biscuits, as you can see. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's what it is. Right. Uh, so that is our top five Arsenal performers in 2021 then. So just to, and again, I'm not completely happy with the players that are in it. Neither is Mike. So don't come at us. Uh, but we've had to make some concessions on both sides to get this over the line. Smith Rowe is our number one. We both agree on that. We both agree that in second, it's Bukayo Saka. In third place, we've both gone with Martin Odegaard. In fourth, we've gone with Gabriel. And in fifth, we've gone with Granite Xhaka. So that is our Arsenal top five performers in 2021. And I think I'm probably, you know, you're probably going to agree with this, Mike. Let me know if you don't. That come 
the time where we do this for 2022, there will be some a couple of different names at least on this list. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. I mean, I'm I'm hoping we see some movement in in January as well to reinforce the squad a little bit, maybe give us a better chance of getting for getting to the top four. Um, but yeah, hopefully, I, I I did want to ask you, Harry, because I'm like in this space right now where obviously like I'm 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 impressed with us to a point, but you know we're in fourth, but Man United and Spurs have got two games on us. So when when for you can we start maybe getting excited about finishing in the top four? Uh, still early days, still early days, and you mentioned they got a couple of games in hand, which they do, but then we've got Man City this this weekend as well, which also mm. is a, is something against us but what i would say is this is we've been to old trafford we've been to manchester city by the end of this week we'd have played them twice we've been to anfield we've played chelsea um you know i think for me in years gone by i used to look at the premier league table and i used to go oh we've got games in hand we'll be all right we'll be all right we've got games in hand i think now more than ever especially with the uncertainty around covid and the players that you might be with or without going into games of football, I think having the points on the board is is the best thing. And I'd rather have the points on the board. So I'm not overly concerned by the fact that those teams have got games in hand. I still don't see anything from either of those two sides. And that's not to say that this can't change, but I still don't see Tottenham as being a side that are completely infallible. You know, you saw them at, at Southampton the other day, perhaps slightly unlucky, not to get the result, but they didn't. You know, they they got held to a draw. It's a game that if you've got top four aspirations, you probably need to be winning. You look at Manchester United, they've not, up until this point, improved an awful lot under Ralph Ranić, to some people's surprise. So I still think that it's open. And, and for me, what I'm really kind of conscious of and, and trying to ensure that I don't do is fall into this trap of going, well, the top four is nailed on, when at the start of the season, I said it was our absolute maximum. So I can't now, uh, you know, change that and say, well, now if we don't finish in the top four, it's a massive disappointment. If we get to the dying stages of the season and fall apart, then obviously that will hurt. But in the cold light of day, when you look back on it, you'd have to sit there and say, well, a top six finish was what we needed this season. If we achieve that, we've achieved our objective. If we can finish in the top four, that's fucking brilliant. And who wouldn't take it? I'm I'm similar to you. I think I went into the season thinking top six will represent progress. Um, I think if we somehow finish, you know, eighth again or outside the European places, there needs to be there will have to be a serious conversation. I can't really see that happening just because of the, the sort of teams around us, how inconsistent they are too. Um, but there will always be that sinking feeling about when it opens up for you, which it seems to be doing at the moment. You need to grab the opportunity. And yeah. maybe the stuff that we predicted at the start of the season goes out the window a bit because ultimately it, it is based on the context and it is based on how, you know, what opportunity you have at the time. So, of course, you're right. If we do scrape, scrape it, it will be out of this world. If we miss out on it, it will be a huge, huge blow. If, if it's close, if it's as close as it is now at the end of the season, it will be a huge blow because ultimately the the chance will have been there um but ultimately let's just wait and see um hope that we keep putting these in these i was saying to someone as well i was saying to my mates like top four is not about beating the big teams it's just about being consistent against against the teams in and around you and below you i think if we can 
beat Spurs. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm not expecting us to get a result against Man City, but if we can beat Spurs, we've beaten West Ham already, which is another sort of top four contender. I think we're looking in decent shape. That's that's as far as I'll go at, at, at the moment. Um, but just keep the consistency against the sort of teams in and around us and below. And you never know. You never know. Yeah, absolutely. Consistency is key. I I don't think objectives should be set in stone at the start of the season and then never revisited. I think they, you know, I think you can revisit them and I think you can shift them and you can adjust them. But adjusting something is different to drastically changing it. And that's kind of the point. You know, you, you don't go from top six would be a good season to, well, now we finish sixth and it's a shit season. You, you can't yeah. do that. You know, there has to be a level of kind of, um, of fairness and a level of reality around the way you look at stuff. So, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. Look, I think it's still too early in the season to adjust that objective from finishing in the top six to now finishing in the top four. But while we're in with a shout, we've got to aim for it. You've always got to aim for the highest, right? You don't aim for anything below that. Um, and, and we'll see how it goes. But this has been a great show. Really enjoyed this. And, and it's good fun. Good debates, good discussions. A lot of players that deserve honourable mentions. To Tommy Asu's name's come up time and time again in the chat. He's definitely one. I think Ben White's been good. I think Ramsdale's been brilliant. I think there are so many players you could throw in there. Tierney wasn't a million miles off of getting into the list as well. I actually think that if you were basing it on the first half of 2021, you could have probably put Nicolas Pepe in the conversation as well. But this season, it hasn't happened for him. So there's a lot of players who, for me, just fell short because they haven't maintained that level throughout 2021. And ultimately, that's what we're ranking them on. So lots of honourable mentions, lots of, uh, of good players. And the fact that we're having this discussion, having this conversation and finding it so hard is a testament to the fact that the team are moving in the right direction. And we've now got a lot of players in which we have faith and trust in, which is a stark contrast to what we were looking at previously. Um, thank you to every single one of you for tuning in. There are 170 of you watching us live right now on YouTube. If you haven't hit that like button, please do so. Let's get up to 100 likes. It really, really does help. We're about 30 away right now. Also, subscribe to the channel if you are new. That really helps too. So subscribe, like, share, turn the notifications on. You know the drill by now. If you're listening via the audio platforms, please do leave us a review. That helps as well. Mike, where can people follow you um, and the fantastic work that you do? Yeah, so it's, um, best place is on Twitter at Mike underscore Stabru. I post links to my articles. Posted one this week, uh, which Harry reshared uh, about the the players that um, I think we should be looking at in a in, in January. Uh, three players I listed, so go check that out. But yeah, I'll, I'll post a load of Arsenal related content. So yeah, that's the best place. Brilliant stuff. Make sure you get over and give Mike a follow. Um, Terence in the chat says, uh, "Got to have faith, faith, faith." Uh, Mike, do you know what song he's referencing there? I'm Greek, man. Obviously, are you going to give us? Are you going to us? Going to give us a rendition of it? Absolutely not. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe on New Year's Eve at about nine PM, I can voice note you, and you can put it in the in the Chronicle show um, for the post Man City dissection. But if we've been batted five 0 I'm guessing people probably won't want to hear that. So let's see how it goes. <laughs> let's see how it goes. Let's see how it goes. 
Well, it was worth a try. Don't forget to hit that like button. Subscribe to the channel if you do. Check out Pro Prep. Check out Scorf.x as well on Instagram and ScorfXShop.com uh, for some of these fantastic Arsenal uh, concept jerseys. Get involved. Support local businesses. Support the Chronicles of Aguna. We'll be back very soon with more. Until next time, goodbye. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.